Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and strongly object to its awful adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. guys and we both write for fandomfollowing.com bringing you the best in nerdy media analysis news recaps reviews blah, blah, blah. yeah podcasts yeah. podcasts yes this is not an official fandom <laughs> no. following podcast but actually what we are podcasting about today is going to be informing something that we will already have written on fandom following by the time this is released look at that Look at that time travel warp. <laughs> yeah, or almost as uh, adept at warping as Littlefinger. <laughs> it's a most amusing paradox. That, you yeah. know what? That That's going to be better suited to the brand podcast, isn't it? I suppose. Does he warp? He creates a time paradox, right? He does create a time paradox. And he annoys all of us as watchers. Yeah. But yeah, this plotline does have one of the most egregious examples of warping, so <laughs> we'll get to hey, so, it. Well, Julia, what, what is this plotline? Uh, this would be what we call Simplified Bay of Dragons. Well, so we can't that... very well call it Slavers Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be Deadpan uh, and uh, St. Tyrion and all the stuff that they're involved in. So all the Dothraki stuff, all the stuff in Marine proper. Uh, most of Varys' plotline. Mm-hmm. There's also a uh, bro trip with Jorah and Dario. I forgot about the bro trip. <laughs> well, we have to talk about it. So what we're going to do is, this is me and Julia, we had, we've just watched it, we've taken some notes, mm-hmm. and we're going to sit through, talk through this plotline, recap what happens, then try to analyze it. And through this process, this jumble will create very insightful essays, I'm sure. Very insightful and well-structured essays. Very well-structured. We're predicting at least three. Who knows? That's what we put on the schedule, so yeah, we'll see. We are going to start with a recap, but because we really want to be focusing on the character arc specifically, what we're going to do is first recap basically the Vias Dothrak theater, which includes Mm -hmm. the bro trip, so like everything Deadpan does up through episode six, Blood of My Blood, when she gives that (laughs) fist-pumping speech. (laughs) So we're going to recap, like, her plotline. Then we're going to go back and recap everything in Marine proper and then go, like, straight through because yeah. she hooks back up. Yes. That's what's going to happen. Um, so before we start, let's get into the fandom nicknames. Yes. So the first one is, of course, uh, Deadpan. I won't do the full titles. Oh, do the full titles. Uh, Deadpan, Khaleesi of Foe Empowerment, Part-Time <laughs> Mother Dragons. Cardboard. I'm mixing que- Queen of Simplified... Queen of Simplify Bay and the anachronisms. Yeah. Oh god, I'm mixing this all up. I'm butchering it. <laughs> it's in the glossary. <laughs> Let's just throw in Jorah the Andal this year. It'll be fine. <laughs> it is It is in the glossary. It's st- deadpan cardboard, I think. Cardboard, yeah. yeah. Cardboard. <laughs> Born of cardstock. <laughs> well, we're trying to, you know. So deadpan is obviously Daenerys. That's... That's the character, and we yeah. call her Deadpan because... That's what who, she is. Whoever is directing Amelia Clark 
forgot that emoting is sometimes a good thing to do. Yeah. Maybe just Amelia Clark forgot. It's kind of hard to tell. She makes Natalie Portman's Padme seem animated. <laughs> and then uh, when we have St. Tyrion, of course. Of course. Uh, it really needs no introduction. Mm-hmm. He's just the patron saint of all good guys. Yeah. He's Unproblematic the of all humanity. Yes. Really, really is. Um, his His best friend is Varys Marks. Yes. And Varys is a Marxist. <laughs> Apparently he just wants what's best for the realm and to like get the small folk empowered or something. I don't even know what the fuck he wants. It makes he no also, sense. He also has a healthy skepticism of religion. Exactly. Um, there's two people that have to put up with these assholes named yeah. Missande and Grey Worm. Yeah, they or, don't have fandom nicknames because they like don't, them. but their ship name is Miss Worm. Miss Worm. We, we yes. ship them. As they they kind Worm. of like, even without the ship part, they kind of always come as a unit at this point. So they're Miss Worm. Then we've got the bros. We've got mm. Grayscale Jorah traveling, and he's simply Grayscale Jorah because he has Grayscale and it's taking over his arm. And this yeah. isn't even really a nickname so much as it just amuses us. Yeah, well, sometimes we call him Sir Hilariously Friendzoned. Oh, God. Well, he's not Friendzoned anymore. You'll no. see. Now he's Jorah the Andal. Jorah the Andal. Yeah. They seem to completely miss the point that it was being made with him being called that by the Dothraki. But whatever! And then um, his drinking buddy this year, I guess, is Fabio Naharis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <who, laughs> I mean, he really doesn't have a personality besides a pretty face, so it's like, whatever. And, like, a really weird accent. Oh my god! I don't know what was going on. It, 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 no, he sounds like a Dutch per. He sounds like a Dutch person who like can't decide whether he wants to do an American or a British accent. He sounded good for one scene, and then something mm-hmm. happened, and I was like, no. He like he can't decide whether he's using a non-Roderick or a Roderick dialect, and like his vowels are all over the place. It's, it's just it's a mess. Then the only other character I think we have is named Mama Dash. Yes. And, and she's of the Dash Colleen and she seems to be like the mom. So Yeah, she's like but she's like the like, you know, the sorority mom or whatever you call them, the den mom. Is that what they call them? I have no idea. Uh. But we didn't even bother making up name for like Cal Moro, because it's just like these fucking idiots. Okay, whatever. <laughs> we forgot about Kuvira. <gasps> Kuvira! Oh my god! Okay, so, yeah, at one point, St. Tyrion's gonna welcome a red priestess into the city of Marine, and you may call her Kuvira. <laughs> What's her actual name? Kanava or something it's like, like that? It's like Kinvara, kind of. Kinvara. Yeah. yeah. It's ha- it looks enough like Kuvira that we were just basically calling her that right away. Like, they say her name once, and then she just disappears, so it doesn't really matter. But- and she doesn't really matter, so there we go. You know who else there is? Who? ESW? Yes! She does matter. She is everything. The evil sex worker of false tears. We love her. And her son, Dom. We sincerely love her. This isn't a bit. We adore her. Evil sex worker, we wish the show was about you. It would probably be a lot more interesting. We'll talk about her when we get to her. Probably way too long. Okay. Oh my god. We're already going too long, I think. (laughs) Okay. All right, all right. I think that's all. Oh, and yeah, obviously, they uh, this whole situation is taking place in Simplified Bay. Yes, where things are fine, just like simple. Yeah, well, yeah, they're they're definitely simplified from the source material that we're not referencing nearly as much this year because it is just completely irrelevant. So there we go. It really is. Oh, yeah. God, so bad. But when the whole adaptational issue thing was relevant, we were like, this is very simplified because we read a Dance with Dragons and there were flowcharts and we were still confused. So you know. Okay. 
All right, so let's start off with the first episode mm-hmm. named The Red Woman. <laughs> when are we getting to the North is the last one, or the second to last one? What? <laughs> the North. It's going to be the second to last one. Let me do it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I forget what the very last one is that we're doing. Uh, oh, the River Blands. River Blands, yes. All right, so yeah, the first thing we have is uh, the bro trip. Right. So this is, uh, you know, Fabio, I was just thinking about this. Fabio was on a bro trip last year, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember with his gray worm, like, like <laughs> Scooby-Doo hour? Yeah. He loves his bro And he had that uh, bro trip with his Darzo Sansa at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So he's really into the bro trips. His off-camera bro trip. Yeah. He's just winning hearts one bro trip at a time. Okay, so he and Jorah the Andal are just, like, riding around Ireland. Yeah, it's it is actually important to note that they just randomly started calling him Jorah the Andal this year. Yeah, I mean, they called him that once in the first season, like, when they were still doing the stuff that books the books were doing. Because the Dothraki call him Jorah the Andal, even though he's not an Andal, because <laughs> he's from the north. And, like, it's just kind of, it's just one of those, like, small little details, but, like, you know, like, it's this culture on another continent, and that's how they see Restoros. They see it as, like, a monolith. So. Yeah. It was just, like, an interesting little bit of world building, but they completely forgot the point of it, because, like, fucking Daenerys calls him toward the end up, which is stupid. Okay. Yeah. But very Game of Thrones, you know? Yes, very Game of Thrones. So, they're riding around, and they find, like, some brand bones. Yes, charred charred bones of something. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Uh, some <laughs> Fabio says it's ram, and Jorah's like goat. It's really interesting. No, he says it's a goat. We do not have to go into this level of detail. Anyway, they find like they're they're basically on the trail of a dragon. That's the point of that. And then they start having a conversation about like deadpan and who she's going to pick and what she's like in bed. I think bed might be a separate scene. I think this yeah. is just the scene where they talk about like when you grow old, if you grow old. It, it's like it kind of characterizes them as sell swords. Like I don't know. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't really that good either. Yeah. Well. It, so. Yeah. Well, it's it's all like, oh, Jorah, you've been friend zoned, and that's the conversation. And so then, um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, they find her wedding ring, the like little. Ring with the two pearls thing called the leaves of Lorien. <laughs> Not idly do the leaves of Lorien fall. But like they find it in the middle of this like donut in the dirt <laughs> where like the like thousands and thousands of horses that were hiding behind one rock were last season. Like guys, this field looks like shit. <laughs> like this is a ruined field. Why do they even need a ring? Why aren't they just like, oh, yeah. look. And they're, and they're treating it like that that scene in The Two Towers where uh, Aragorn pieces together what happened to the hobbits from, like, the little orc thingies. They treat it like it's a huge mystery like that. Just like, what happened here? A horde? Dothraki? Yes, it's Dothraki. We solved this mystery. The Dothraki <laughs> that's, have her. That's my favorite thing. Jorah says a horde, and Dario goes... Dothraki? What other horde <laughs> is gonna come through with 50,000 fucking horses? And it's like, hey, the music, like, stops dramatically. Yeah, what? Well. We need to pick up the face. <laughs> no. Okay, so, uh, yeah, the music stops. And so then, the next scene we have is Deadpan being marched to face Dothrak by these, like, two bros in the, in the horde, who are just, oh, like, God. randomly sexually harassing her and taunting her. They're just like, hee hee, we're gonna rape you once we yeah. talk to our cow. And it's like, well, that's magnanimous of you. Yeah, they have to talk to the cow and ask permission before they rape random people they find in the middle of the field. 
And apparently no one recognizes her. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. what we're supposed to be assuming, that no one recognizes her. Nobody knows that, like, first of all, because she was, like, you know, the wife of the most important call at one point. And now she's completely wrecked the entire economy of the region that the Dothraki depend on, because that's, like, how they do their thing. They they mar- they capture people and then they march them to Slaver's Bay and sell them. Hey, Julia. Or they exchange them for gifts. Yes. We need to pick up a more. Anyway, yeah, it's stupid that they don't recognize her. And it's stupid that they have to suddenly ask their calls permission before they rape people. But look, guys, if Hannah Murray looked a little bit rough in that one scene <laughs> in the Horn Fair, Deadpan looks like shit. Uh-huh. Like, She's got, like, the hair going on. Like, like somebody, like, took that wig and just, like, you know, started rubbing it. <laughs> it looks like she's wearing a bird's nest on her head on her <laughs> And then, like, what's really weird is that the entire conversation is, like, they're calling her pink person and, like, what color do you think her pubic hair is? Yeah. It's just, like, these people have seen white people before, especially people with Valerian features, because they, mm-hmm. like, you know, go to the free cities and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, like, the stuff that people were talking about in the first season about how, like, the Dothraki have problematic racial implications, like, even more so on the show than in the books, where those implications are not non-existent, by the way. Like, um, at the time, I thought they were, like, like like a lot of problems with the show, like, at the time of the first season, I was just like, oh, well, I can kind of see that, but, like, it's not that big of a deal. And now it's, like, flanderized, basically. So now, like, because, like... the Dothraki are like you know they're they're very attached like they're they're like a lot of like those nomadic step nomad tribes right like they're very attached to their nomadic kind of roots but they're like you know like when the Mongols took over China mm-hmm. right like they're like they assimilated into the Chinese culture especially like after a while but they still were very proud of like their their roots as nomads and they've like you know made sure to like you know spend time on the steppe and practice all the like, no bad things and things like that. Right, But, yeah. so, like, the Dothraki aren't, like, savage. They're sophisticated people. Like, you know, Caldrogo had a manse in Pentos. And they just kind of choose to perpetuate their really gross culture. But whatever. Anyway, they get they get to the center place with Cal Moro mm-hmm. and, like, a tent. And there's, like, three ladies chilling there, too, I guess. Yeah, well, his blood riders are there and Khaleesi's there and she has, like, her BFF there or whatever. Yeah, and... And they don't uh, know who she is either. And they don't... Uh, he doesn't recognize Deadpan either. Mm-hmm. The Khaleesi goes, like, oh, she's a witch. And Kalmar's like, no, nah, you're just saying that because she's hot. <laughs> yeah, and she's a woman being catty, and I think she's chopping vegetables. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, um, anyone who's familiar with Monty Python at all? Monty Python? Python? You're pronouncing it like an American. Oh, well, Monty that's Python. Hot. Okay, well, here in America, we say Monty Python, and <laughs> shut up. But anyone who's familiar, there's this one sketch called the Doth, the, called the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> shut up. Yeah, and the, like the joke is that like he's trying to make makes he tries to make a list of something, but then he like like there's like three things, and then he like says the four things, like four things, and that's the joke. Yeah, that's that's the joke. So basically, D and D just completely lift this sketch <laughs> and use it for the Dothraki because he because Cal Morgos, there's nothing finer than seeing a woman naked, and then his like Dothraki dude bros start listing other things that are also fine, like pillaging. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, seeing a woman naked is among the four fine things <laughs> in life. But like, no I, one ever suspects the Dothraki. Okay, so basically his wife is telling him to kill her because, like, it's obvious it's because she feels threatened by her sexually. And then, and like, 
Deadpan Moore just says wants something. To get her clothes off. Yeah, Deadpan says something to Thraki, and there's these like reaction shots, like "Oh my god, she speaks to Thraki," and then she's just she rattles off their titles, her titles, like all the like you know, Queen of Simplified Bay and Foe Part- Empowerment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and they all laugh, but then she's just like, "I was married to Khal Drogo," and then all of a sudden, "Oh my god!" And it's like, who did you think the Queen of Marine was right now? <laughs> there are a bunch of savages who don't know anything about what's going on in the geopolitical situation. I think what's really funny is that she looks so proud of herself after she does this. Yeah, she's like... It's, it's, it's like, girl, you know the culture. If you had said this earlier, you probably could have gotten a horse. We'll talk about that in a few scenes. Um, but yeah, but then all of a sudden, Kalmoro, uh, like, you know, he cuts the ropes that were tying his hand, and he's like, you know, forgive me, he says. Like, I didn't know who you were. And then they decide that they're going to... T- uh, she says, like, escort me back to Marine, I'll give you, like, a billion horses or whatever. But, like, they decide, no, they're going to take her to face Dothrak so she can join the Dutch Colleen. And it's the Khaleesi who says this with this stupid smirk on her face that just pisses me off. Yeah, because it's like, the Dosh Colleen are very well respected, and it's like, mm. what even is this? Yeah, like, it's... the tradition is that when Akal dies, his wife joins this, basically this group of, like, priestesses, or, like, really the supreme political and religious authority of the Dothraki, mm-hmm. at least in the books. Um, but it's it's not, like, a voluntary thing, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's why she was all smirky. Anyway, we, we pick back up with her being marched to Via Sothrak in mm-hmm. the third episode, Oathbreaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she still doesn't have a horse. She's still being tromped to Via Sothrak. Yeah, like, they've established that she's a Khaleesi, and they didn't yeah. fucking give her a horse. Yeah, like, and I guess, like, maybe this is because of the, like, bullshit technicality that she's not officially Dosh Kaleen yet. Yeah, but, like, she's about to become, like, like you know, like, the odds are that she's about to become a person with significant power. Why would they, like, shame her? Yeah, it's really it's, yeah, odd. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway, they they show a, a shot of um, Dash Kaleen, and it's very nice. It kind of reminds me of Vase Yeah, yeah. Sorry, a Vase Othrak, and it kind of reminds me of in uh, Fellowship of the Ring when they see those like statues uh, uh, in the river. Kind of reminds me of that. What the uh... the horses? It reminds me of like Moss Eisley's spaceport. It's way too small. And like, oh, it kind of does look like Moss Eisley's shot. And like, this actually. is like a matte painting or whatever they call digital version of a matte painting. So they could have made it like as expansive as they want because like, Dosh, uh, Vesothrak is huge, like in area. It's like really sprawling. And it looked like a small village. Like, it did not look like how like 100,000 people were supposed to be there at well, all. You know, they're savages. But they say later that there's 100,000 people in the city. Like, no way. Anyway, so they take her to the temple of Dosh Kaleen. And they go on Mean Girls on her, and they, like, strip her naked. And it's really weird, because, like, they strip her naked, and then, like, they all look at her boobs. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, it's kind of as if they, like, have never seen boobs before, which is passing odd. Yeah, and then she, like, channels Cersei Lannister and talks about how she's going to have all their heads as they strip her naked. It's, like, right out of A Feast for Crows. Yeah, it's actually more than Carol said when she was stripped naked last season. Mm-hmm. And they're all cat like... Okay, so all these women are, like, catty and smirking at her and obviously don't like her, except for this one nice one. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, one designated nice chick in the room. And yeah. She's it. She's, like, <laughs> and then everyone else is just, only like, being... two, Only two of the Dosh Queen have a sweet, uh, speaking role, Mama Dosh and this this nice one. Yeah, well, the other ones, like, kind of whisper about her. Yeah, and she's, like, the one who, like, looks the neatest. Wonderful implications. Um, I, well, I mean, the implications of this plotline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... It's it's just all really really strange, and then yeah, and Mama Josh is this old lady with like a potato sack and like crazy hair. 
<laughs> so I don't know why she's all unkempt. But... Yeah, she she looks terrible. And then like what's weird is that Deadpan says something like, "You've made a horrible mistake. I mm-hmm. was the wife of a great cow." Yeah, no, this is exactly what you're yeah. supposed to think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Mama Dash seems to kind of remember her, and she's like, "You shouldn't have left." Yeah. And she, you know, her actor is good. Yeah, she's she's good. And like, apparently, there's this like because yeah, the fact that she didn't go join the Dash Clean right away means that like she's like not automatically in anymore. <laughs> Yeah, well, because, cause, like, apparently there's all these, like, tight rules regulating their behavior and very severe consequences if they, like, because, like, you know, if a Vestal virgin, virgin was no longer a virgin, they, like, buried her alive. So <laughs> maybe it's something like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to be generous. But the oddest thing about this is that Mama Dosh tells Dead- Deadpan mm-hmm. that there's going to be, like, a Dothraki regional conference coming up <laughs> where all the cows meet and divide up cities to sack yeah they like they they like you know take out a map or whatever and like designate territories which is now what we saw in the first season and on the third of november we saw one callus this town we saw one callusar fighting another in the first season so yeah yeah and like callusar split off and like yeah no yeah. this doesn't make but- any sense yeah, basically, the the cows, this, like, conference of cows, is going to decide whether or not she joins the Dash Colleen. So, apparently, they have no power whatsoever. They can't even decide their membership. Yay! Yeah, the Dash Colleen can't. And apparently, this council of cows have a lot to discuss in their yeah. meeting, I guess. Um, anyway, then, then that takes us to Book of the Stranger. And, yeah. Oh, this is the big one. This is the big episode for this plot line. Yeah, it is, is it episode four? Yeah, this is the one that took forever to get through. Yeah, it's in Book of the Stranger episode four. Yeah, yeah. so uh, we we join back with the road trip, and Fabio's accent is really floundering around. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have any idea what he's going. I don't want to fight you, Jorah the Andal. <laughs> yeah, and this is the part where they talk about how awesome Deadpan is in bed, right? I think Fabio talks about like riding the dragon. Yeah, so, it sounds like a One Direction not. song. It's really, really bad. But Jorah's like all task focused. Mm-hmm. He's just like, let's get into Vias Dothrak. Uh, he, they kind of look over the shot as if they're Frodo and Sam looking into Mordor. Yeah. How much of this plotline was just ripped off of the Lord of the Rings movies? <laughs> Quite now a few, I guess. <laughs> Because we've referenced this, like, a bunch of times. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, you have to leave our weapons behind. But then, like, Fabio has his, like, naked chick knife that he doesn't want to leave. Then, then, like... I, like, I can't take his comedic knife anymore. Like, I just can't. And they really, like, it was, like, a good 15 seconds worth of screen time just, like, talking about how he didn't want to leave the knife. It was weird. I guess it was, like, seated the next scene, but that's stupid. And then, like, kissing it del- delicately before yeah but like in the course of this like knife thing like he sees the like expansive grayscale on <laughs> Jorah's arm yeah and like his reaction is very subdued <laughs> and and jo- he's just like huh and Jorah's like don't worry it didn't touch you and Fabi just kind of nods like okay. okay it's like I'll kill you myself if I have to yeah and, and that's like, like All right. okay yeah <laughs> it's like it's the fucking plague like <laughs> You're being very chill about yeah, this. They're, they're very, like, calm and collected, I guess. Okay, so they sneak into Vase Dothrak. He's gonna bury him in the ground. La-da-da-da-da. Okay, and, yeah, they sneak into Vase Dothrak, and there's just, like... And the bird like, trip continues, and I want to kill myself. Well, they have, like, you know, like, a little, like, tourist thing, where they're, like, looking at Dothraki having sex in public, and they're like, I should have been in Dothraki. Yeah, that was weird, Fabio. Yeah. But, um, 
they're, they're, they're guys is that they're merchants and they're looking for the market. Yeah, which is not unreasonable at all. Like, this no. should be a very good cover story. So, Jorah, like, says it. They run into these two Dothraki. Yeah. They're just, like, they're just, like, walking, like, I don't know, is this, like, supposed to be, like, a forbidden section of the city that's only for Dothraki or something? I have no idea. But they run in, <laughs> yeah. and these two, these two random Dothraki are just like, what are you doing? And Jorah's like, uh, we're, we're looking for the merchants. We're looking for the market. Like, he doesn't even say it, like, you know, in a suspicious fashion. <laughs> No, not really. He's just like, it's perfectly reasonable. We're looking for the market. We're lost. Or like, we're just a bunch of, like, we're just two stupid tourists who wandered into the wrong part of town. Show us how to get back to our hotel. It's like, there's nothing suspicious about it, but the guy's like, you are not merchants. Well, is the implication that white people aren't allowed in Vice Dothraki? I don't know. <laughs> because they, they imply later on that the Dothraki are really racist, so I don't know. So, anyway, Jorah, like, they, they end up attacking them, but there's no, yeah. or they're going to run to get a patrol to, you know, get these obvious not merchants. <laughs> so Jorah, like, strangles, there, there's a tussle, Jorah, like, yeah. strangles one of them, and then Fabio, like, stabs another because he- Because he didn't throw away his knife, oh my god. And he, the other one was about to kill Jorah, and then Jorah's like, <laughs> they're going to see weapons, you can't spill blood here. Mm-hmm. So then <laughs> Fabio, his solution is to take a rock- and bludgeon the guy's face in? That makes because sense. Because apparently that's not spelling blood. No. Or I guess it's just to hide that there's weapons, but I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, we pivot back to the Dosh Colleen and they're like being mean girls and deadpans. Yeah, this is where we find out that some Dothraki are racist and they don't believe in interbreeding, which is like contrary to everything we've seen about the Dothraki thus far in both the show and the books. But okay. And 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 every single outside the episode, they're like they keep looking up this funny white girl with her pale skin and her blonde hair. Like, mm-hmm. um, are you are you sure you know what you're talking about? Yeah, because it sounds like you don't. Like the Dothraki <laughs> are very like in terms of like you know the way they look <laughs> are a very mixed society. Just because like they tend like you know they kind that's of kind of what just... happens when you ride around and pillage. Yeah, and you like take people as slaves and then reproduce with them and things like that. Yeah, like that just yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. Um. The good news is Deadpan got a bath, but Mama yes. Dosh didn't. No, like she, like her hair is back to like its fabulousness. But Mama Dosh has like crazy hair. <laughs> but anyway, so, so so Mama Dosh, for some reason I don't quite fathom, uh, just starts honing in on the one nice girl and is like invites her to tell her her tragic backstory. I think it's bonding. I don't even know. Yeah, because Mama Dosh is like being nice. I think like I think she's like, just, like she says. Bo- She's trying to like relate to Deadpan as yeah. a woman. Do you, well, because, do you want like, the outside the episode insight? Sure. Apparently, Mama Dosh sees a lot of herself in Deadpan because she remembers what it was like to have a great dream that came to a crashing halt. What? Uh, yeah, well, because she says that like her her husband was like the the top call too, and he was just like we're gonna conquer the world together. Then he died. Right? Like she says that. She's like, oh, yeah, okay. I relate. So amazing how many Khaleesi this happens to. I guess. Yeah, but like apparently, like well, one nice girl. Um, her call, like the man who married her, found her in a random well when she was 12 years old and he was raiding a village. So he, like, decided to marry this, like, random peasant he found in a well. To marry this well girl, yeah. Yeah, which makes so much sense. Tell me what the Dothraki would do. Okay. Yeah, because they weren't, like, in season one, they weren't talking about, like, the goat worshippers as, like, lesser people or anything. Yeah. No, but just, like, the, like, the, like, just, why would he marry, like, a random, like, for, like. Whatever she did. Yeah. yeah. Like, Kyle's want to marry people like Deadpan, you know? Like, trophy wives. 
because they only marry one person. Like they have. Look, well, girl is pretty. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's. It was very nice of him. This call must have been really nice, but no, he wasn't nice because then she had a girl and he like broke her ribs. Yeah, and that's the ridiculous top story. So Mama Dash is like going on like complaining about Dothraki misogyny, mm-hmm. but then it's like, don't worry, our wisdom is valued. Um, what does that mean? Footage not found. Like yeah. you're not even sitting in on this regional conference, so. Yeah, and but whatever. Deadpan is like, I have to go pee. But then, like, Mama Dash decides that she needs an escort. She needs a bathroom buddy. Well, and she also says, go show her as if she hasn't peed yet. Like, how much time has passed? Because she's been there. I just thought she was there for a while. Let's not even think about the timeline. Okay, but so we have a pee break of girl power mm-hmm. where it's her and the nice girl. And the nice girl's like, yo, I hear you have dragons because apparently she knows who Deadpan is, even though no one else does. Good point. <laughs> Like, actually? <laughs> so then Fabio just pops out. Yeah, and he wants to kill the one nice uh, other Khaleesi. Oh, wait. we I forgot that the, on the peaky break of girl power, mm-hmm. the Khaleesi was like, my husband was kind of an asshole. And Deadpan's like, I'm glad he's dead. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> girl power. <laughs> but yeah, no, Fabio wants to kill her. <laughs> and Deadpan's just like, don't touch her. And kind of seems like she's expecting him. Yeah. It was... Well, it was weird. Then maybe it was just like finally show up or something because she left like you know the leaf of Lorien, so maybe she was expecting it <laughs> because I guess it's true. reasonable to assume that they would find it in like the fucking Irish Dothraki Sea. Oh my god! And then <laughs> and then she says and then uh, Fabio and George try to get her to leave, but she mm-hmm. says we'll never get out of here alive, and mm-hmm. that kind of is true. You came in and you didn't have a way of getting out. <laughs> no exit. No exit strategy. <laughs> But yeah. Deadpan says, don't worry, the Council of Cows is happening tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And apparently she has a plan. Or do they discuss the plan? I don't know. Where Fabio and Jora hide for a day and what they do during There's this There's some day? bushes there. I guess they stay in bushes <laughs> for a day. Or maybe they go to the Western Market where there's lots of other people from other lands and they could be completely inconspicuous. But then, like, at the Council of Cows... They talk about how they found the one person's head getting smashed by rocks. So I don't know. You only just found it. That's convenient timing. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle Moro's just like, oh, there's always a little blood getting spilled. What? This is your most secret law. Are you sure about this? Okay. Okay, so then Mama Dosh and the nice one come in, and they, like, head nod at her, because they bring in deadpan, right? For her, yeah. For her oral examination or whatever. Oh, God. <laughs> so the head the head nod clearly means political power, right? And that they head nod at her, and then she leaves. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. That's she has like, all the political power. They respect her wisdom. Mm-hmm. And then, like, we get the Dothraki cows all being like, oh, oh we're going to rape her. One of them being like, I'd like to know what Khaleesi tastes like. He's what? a bachelor, Kylie. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure there was any rape threats. I think it was just that one asshole being like, I'd like to know what she tastes like. And Cal Moro is like, That's not no. a rape threat? Well, I... I mean, I don't want her to be grape threats, so, No, but, okay. I, like, I'm saying, like, the whole... The the mood of the room wasn't like, haha, we're gonna rape you. It was like that one guy was saying it. And Cal Mora was very strongly like, no, she is a... She's a Khaleesi, like, she needs to join the Dosh Khaleen, this is her place. Yeah. And he he's very authoritative. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm just saying, like, the, the mood of the room it doesn't seem like she's in immediate danger. It seems like she's gonna join the Dosh Khaleen. Yeah, but then she fucks that up. Yeah, well, I guess one of them did mention, like, we could sell her to the Masters of Yunkai, mm-hmm. but Kalmar's like, no, that's stupid. Yeah. And then and then she just randomly pipes up and she's like, want to know what I think? <laughs> and then there's a comedy reaction shot where they're all turning their heads. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then they say that the, she has no voice here and that she's Dash Kaleen because we saw how much voice they had. Also, you just said she her place was in the Dash Kaleen, so whatever. <laughs> why why are they even meeting in the temple of the Dash Kaleen? Like what what is this? Yeah. Like isn't this temple for the Dash Kaleen? Why aren't they here? Are, remember the horse heart eating times when the Dash Kaleen were like making predictions? Yeah. Remember those fun times? They mentioned that time actually. Yeah, so obviously D&D remember it. Yeah. I guess they think they just, like, pop in when it's time for prophecy making. Yeah. Anyway. Uh... Yeah, and so they say that they all remember what happened to Drogo, but they still don't recognize This is so stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they know exactly Drogo's manner of death. Yeah, but, no, they they say that they, like, the, the Masters of Yunkai are looking for her, so they must know who she is. And they must know what she's done, but none of them recognized her? They just couldn't put the face to the name, I guess. <sighs> Okay. Anyway, uh, so she she kind of just starts blabbing on. Mm. About, I mean, you you have a bullet point here that says, "Let's talk about her expression." What expression? Exactly. She just kind of looks like she's holding on a fart. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, she starts going on about like you guys are so stupid. All you're doing is sitting here and like divvying up lands to pillage. And like she's kind of right mm. about this micromanagement. Yeah, and just like. They they need to conquer China and settle down. That's what they need to but, do. But then she says, you are small men. None of you are fit to lead the Dothraki, but I am, so I will. And she says this in the most deadpan delivery in a made-up language, like, and, ever. You know, hey, parallel, you are small men versus weak men will never rule Dorne. Wait, yay, yay. Women on top. I <laughs> love this. Well, at this point, the calls are like, well, fuck you then. Then we'll Literally. fuck you, then we are gonna rape you now. Yeah. We're gonna let you join the Tush Queen, but... <laughs> yeah. And then she's just, like, smirking, but, like, in a very, like, you know, you you all know the smirk I mean. Like, the Amelia Clark deadpan smirk. <laughs> and then she just fucking knocks over the braziers with the flames in them. And it turns out her master plan was to sneak into the Temple of Dodge clean and spread kerosene everywhere. <laughs> because We do see Jorah and Dario lock them in, so maybe that's how they spent the day. Yeah, like, like somehow dousing the place. kerosene into the place where the Dosh Kaleen live and never seem to leave, except for when the calls are meeting. It, like, it doesn't smell at all. No, because this dirt, the floor is dirt, and it emulates. <laughs> Instantly. This is worse than Ramsey's 20 Good Men, easily. Mm-hmm. This is so bad. It makes no sense, guys. Although, at least I guess it's warm and dry there, unlike in Winterfell, but... Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God. And yeah, you can, like, basically hear the CSI, like, yeah, scream as this is happening. And they're, like, all running around and freaking out. And she's just smirking at them still. Yeah, she's just, like, pushing over all the braziers. And there's this one part where, like, Akal is looking at her being like, no, no, no. And she pushes over a brazier and, like, the fire goes right towards him. It's like she's <laughs> firebending. <laughs> and there's, like, like a shot that tracks, like, the ball of fire coming towards him. It's so bizarre. I think they're implying that she can control fire. It's really, really bad. Yeah, so, yeah, her men's were outside. They killed all the guards and they barred the doors with a stick. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to nitpick, but, like, it's not that big of a stick. And there are, like, four or five really strong men who are literally, like, pushing for their lives. They should have been able to break that stick. Yeah, or, like, the dirt that went up instantly in smoke. Like, that's kind of my bigger thing. Yeah, you're right about that. Anyway. Then, according to Weiss, Uh quote, The act of stepping out of that burning temple, in which all the Dothraki power structure just perished, pretty much makes her queen of the Dothraki- What? What about the Dothraki? 
No, this is the Dothraki perish. They just perished. And that pretty much makes her queen of the Dothraki in one fell swoop. What about the Dash Kaleen? Julia, I'm reading the quote. Do they don't realize that the power structure of the Dothraki is the Dash Kaleen? They don't realize that. And, like, burning down your enemies makes you their leader instantly. Yay. Well, if you're white. If you're white. It's, this is so uncomfortable. Like, it's yeah. seriously just a sea and you of have asbestos hair yelling. because, God forbid, you should be unattractive for even a moment. And they're like, obviously, this is exactly the same thing that happened in season one, but this is on a larger scale now. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. There's, like, epic choir music going on in the I background. love the epic choir music. I'm a sucker for the epic choir. I know it's a horrible cliche these days. Like, for the past 20 well, years, it's been a horrible cliche, but, cliche, but, cliche, but, cliche, but I'm... Well, it's just the choir version of the deadpan theme, which is like, you know, it's it's a really nice theme, actually. Yeah, I like it. I sh- Ooh, maybe I'll do a Saltarello based on that. Maybe not. It sounds not. like a lot of work, but yeah, that sounds like the so Cheryl one was really good, so I would look into it. Okay, so we're done with that, and we will talk more about that. <laughs> um, you, we will. Um, there's only two other scenes for Deadpan until she gets back, mm-hmm. though. So one is on the road from Viasdothra. And we call this uh, Dora the Stalker Gets His Reward. Dora the Explorer. <laughs> uh, God! <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyway, so she's, like, wearing her wedding ring around her neck. Yeah, we think it's, like, it's they called something. it her wedding ring in one of the outside the episodes last season, right? Even though we never so saw her So she dropped her breadcrumb, yeah. and then, like, they give it to her. I wonder if she knows, she knows his star's dead at this point. It yeah, well, they, she saw him be stabbed in the in the tummy. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, does she really love his star? Is this, like, is this, like, Angelina Jolie with Billy Bob Thornton's vial of blood around her neck? Like, what is <laughs> going on here? Oh, uh, maybe it's to remember Dora the stalker because he gave it back to her. Anyway, uh, she basically starts to be like, you came back twice and you saved my life, but, you know, I can't How did he back. save her life this time? He barred the door. Okay. And he found the he found the breadcrumb. But he didn't actually like what was her what was preventing her from doing exactly what she did if they weren't there? She could have had the Barring one the... nice Khaleesi bar the door. <laughs> it really was a flimsy stick. <laughs> no, but like he didn't do anything. I mean, I think this is a good thing because she actually did something, even though what she did was stupid. What she did was stupid and racist. Is that better than her being infantilized? I mean... Well, the script is infantilizing her because it's giving the dudes credit for something she clearly did without any of their help. I don't know. This is just one hot pile of garbage, really. (laughs) Anyway, the point is that she's banished... Is it better that it was the woman that made all the brown people (laughs) kneel? We can talk about this in our analysis after we get through this high-level recap. Oh my god. So, basically, the point is that she's banished him twice and he's come back twice and saved her life. So, yay, cool. I guess the first time was in the in the fighting <laughs> pit, so she's just like, I can't send you away, I guess. But then he's like, no, no, you have to send me away because I have grayscale. And he shows it to her, it's like all the, it's like pretty much shut to his shoulder at this point. Yeah. And then... Then she apologizes to him? Is that what happened? Or is she just expressing sympathy? I can't tell what's going on. She says, I'm so sorry, but like, I have no is idea. Is she saying, I'm sorry for ever banishing you? Or is she saying, I'm sorry you're going to die of grayscale? The genius of the script is lost. On okay, me. I, I don't, I can't, I can't answer this. And then he says, "Tyrion Lannister was right. Was. I love you." Of course, Tyrion Lannister was right. <laughs> and Fabio is like right here during all of this. By the way, that's her boyfriend, and he's just like standing right there, like okay. Polly Pride represent. 
And then she calls him Jorah the Antle, and then mm-hmm. she commands him to find the cure, and it's like, Yeah, okay, I command you to find the cure to an incurable disease that has ravaged the world for time immemorial. Go, go. Well, th- that that's sweet of you. Maybe he can check in with the uh, Pornish who tried to give Shireen his grace gun. <laughs> and then she said, I need you by my side. You just said you didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that, that's, so, that's yeah. It. That's, that's the scene. Then <laughs> the next scene is in Blood of My Blood. Where, okay. She has a brand so, new horse that looks exactly like the horse they killed in the second season for no reason. Yeah, so she sees like a poof of dirt and she's kind of like interested. Yeah, I, I, I think we should like mention like this scene was like tacked on to the end of the episode. Like in completely disjointed fashion. Yeah, it just picks up. It achieves up and nothing and just... makes no sense and then they name the episode after it. Anyway, (laughs) so Fabio is, like, talking about invasion logistics, Mm -hmm. and he magically knows his navy burn, which is, like, cool. Uh, And then he says to her, you weren't made to sit in a chair, you're a conqueror. So, book snob Fabio, because he read Danny X? I like him better already. So, like, basically he wants her to, like, go to war, but not win the war, I guess? I have no idea what he wants. Maybe he's just saying, like, you're not fit to rule. It might have been kind of insulting. Yeah, but she's fit to conquer. Basically, he's saying you're a killing machine, but not very good at much else. And she's like, oh. That's <laughs> so right. hot. <laughs> but then, all of a sudden. I was like, she sees, like, dirt. Because, like, the scene opens with her, like, kind of vaguely looking somewhere. And then she looks back mm-hmm. to that vague somewhere and she sees some, like, dust in the wind. In the wind. According to outside the episode, it's because she has a special connection with dirt. Yeah. So she's like, wait here for me, dudes. And she, like, rides off. And then, like, there's, like, a, like, a fade, like, a crossfade edit that implies that some time has passed, and the Dothraki are still just, like, chilling in this, like, random place. Do you remember when we podcasted about this, and Eurydice was like, I would have just left. (laughs) She's like, that's my least favorite part, that I ever just waited for Yeah, and so finally Fabio's like, I'm not gonna go look for her. And, but then, all of a sudden, she, like, shows up on Drogon, who's finally shown up. You would have been really useful two episodes ago where she was being held hostage by a bunch of rapists. He doesn't, he doesn't feel sleepy anymore. (sighs) He's gotten better. Yeah, he feels good. <laughs> anyway, so she just like is sitting astride on Drogon. She like she randomly just, like, decides to give him. an epic speech. Yeah, she purchases him, and then it's just like everyone, <laughs> we are going to go to Westeros and like ride the wooden horses and then win things. And and you're a blood rider, and you're a blood rider, and everyone's a blood rider. I'm not convinced they can hear her because there's like wings flapping and there's like horses stomping. (laughs) Oh my god, what if they couldn't hear her? (laughs) And they're just like, okay. And just like this scene is so like. uh, According to the outside the episode, I'm sorry to keep bringing this back up into it. Penny Hathaway's basically said, we really liked that speech that Drogo made to Deadpan when he said, like, I'll conquer everything for you. They really liked it, so they just did it again. And then they start acting as if when Drogo said that, it was a promise he was making to all of the Dothraki and everyone wanted this, rather than, like, he was specifically doing that for Danny. He was pissed off that somebody tried to kill his wife. And so he's like, I'm going to rape everyone. That's, like, basically what he's at. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but, like, they didn't know what they meant. So the Dothraki are really into rape. And then the people who are already following her are like, Yay, cheer. we'll follow her. But it's like, like, there's nothing to say about this speech. Now we know the battle strategy. Yeah, there's there's nothing to say about this speech. At all. No. And there's nothing to say about this scene. I mean, I guess we'll talk about an analysis, but, like... It won, like, three Carol Awards. Yeah, but, like, we're trying to be very generous about this scene. 
so yeah yeah that's that's a new thing we're trying to be generous in our analysis mm-hmm. as we talk through them uh instead of straw manning something we're going to be steel manning exactly. them and trying to like put forth what we think is the best argument mm-hmm. and it's just yeah you'll yeah. see anyway what we get to do now is gateway go back to yay the Roll red woman stock. okay <laughs> we're gonna that that's deadpan's plot line yeah so now we're gonna go back and talk about saint Tyrion's plot line who let's be honest is the real protagonist yeah, it only took us 45 minutes all right so back to the red woman and we open up uh in marine and i think oh my god it's implied that this is right after the scene at the end of season five where varus literally just pops out of nowhere because i think they're wearing the same they're wearing the same clothes well you know yeah so they're like walking down like into the city to like see like how fucked up it is i guess and then they like decide to randomly give alms to the poor but it's okay because they're dressed as common merchants and Tyrion is such a man of the people yo i guess yeah, well, Varys is like, you walk rich. Yeah. And then Tyrion's like, well, you're a eunuch. And I guess well, that's basically, it, it's just, it's just eunuch joke number one. It, yeah. it the We didn't even bother slightly... to number them because there aren't enough numbers. Well, yeah, it, but it's just, okay, eunuch joke. Yeah. And it seems kind of at least a little self aware that that's a shitty joke because, like, Varys rolls his eyes. <laughs> I think that just might be Conathil. <laughs> but it's really funny because Tyrion hilariously doesn't know Valyrian, which seems to be the one language that it is the language. You either speak Valyrian or you speak Dothraki. What is English to us, but. Oh, yeah, there's Valyrian, there's Dothraki, and then there's, like, common. Yeah. Westerosi language. Common tongue. Like, yeah. Um, so Tyrion tries to, like, offer money to this woman with a baby mm. so that her kid can eat even though it's like a baby baby do they know that like babies nurse <laughs> go buy food for your infant that can't eat solid food and apparently what he says makes it sound like he wants to eat the baby ho ho yeah. um out- according to the outside of the episode he is hopeful now that's so insightful i'm so glad we have those outside he- the episodes Tyrion's hopeful uh, okay yeah. anyway Th- then they come across writing on the wall. Yeah, and this is like this is the kind of shit that drives Doctor Who fans insane because it says uh, Misa is a master, like like that sign from last season that said "Kill the Masters," and somebody wrote under it "Misa is a master." Like you know, you have those you have those like uh, threads in the bathroom, like bathroom stall graffiti. You know, yeah, it's like that. <laughs> so the, okay, what bothers me about this is. Varys starts to say Misa means mother in Valyria. So the implication is that Tyrion would not be able to read the word Misa, but he would be able to read the other one. Because everything else is in the common tongue, except for the word Misa. Yes. So why would a city where the primary language is Valyrian, that's how it's presented to Mm -hmm. us, write Misa and then is a master in another one? We've seen Valyrian written in the series. It has a completely different writing system. Yes, it does, and it should. Yeah, remember when when uh, Talisa was writing to her mommy, and everyone thought she was writing to Tywin Lannister. Oh, her spy mail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now she was just writing to her mommy. <laughs> yeah, like this is the kind of stuff that drives Doctor Who fans insane because the TARDIS, which is like the Doctor's like magical spaceship, it like translates for you, like even text. Mm-hmm. But then you have things like you know, like the one word, and then like the, the Doctor Who fans just can't wrap their head around it and they explode. Um, this is the same thing, but like there's no TARDIS here. <laughs> So what's going on? No, it's just really poorly thought mm-hmm. out. Poor attention to detail. It's just, I mean, drop the bucket. I mean, like the Let's like. Perfectly there honest. was a point where they're making an effort because they had two languages made up for this show. 
like proper like constructed languages. Like they didn't do a shabby job with Valyrian Dothraki. So oh no, I actually have learned Dothraki like like the CDs. Yeah, like, it's it's a it's a language. Yeah, it's a constructed language, yeah. but like it's yeah. it's a very decent job that they did. So at some point yeah. they cared about this shit, and now they don't. Oh. Anyway, um, basically Varys and Tyrion debate mm-hmm. like our queen is not as popular as she used to be. So then they're like, "Oh, is the harpy the masters, or is it the former slaves who feel abandoned by her?" Yeah, and Tyrion's like, "It's a problem." So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Tyrion totally gets all the shit that's going down in the city that he's been in for like two weeks. Um, and he's giving Varys a tour because obviously he knows more than Varys, who seems to actually know shit. <laughs> he beat Varys out by like three days. It's really, let's ask Andy. <laughs> it's really hard to tell. And then they run into yeah. a priest that kind of looks like Vedic Braille from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and he's talking about, like, he's basically standing for deadpan. Yeah, because the red priests all seem to. Be standing for deadpan. Yes, keep that in mind. Uh, anyway, then, oh no, a bell starts ringing. Mm-hmm. And people are running, and somewhere in the background is probably Sybil, but I didn't see her. <laughs> Sybil Kaliki. Shea actress. Yeah. yeah. But, uh... Basically, Fabio's fleet that randomly appeared last year mm-hmm. disappeared again. Yeah, it burned. Why did they rent it in last year then? Oh, it could it be because they don't plan anything? Yep. Yeah, and they also don't think about logistics because, like, well, the Sons of the Harpies must really think about logistics because they somehow managed to burn an entire fleet at once in broad daylight. So they're pretty smart. God, these Unsullied suck. <laughs> really suck. I mean, they're just bad at everything. Like, and what are the Second Sons doing? I don't know. I don't know how they burned all the ships at once. I mean, they're not, it's not like they're all in a cluster. Like, I don't know. Cluster. A cluster. I don't, maybe, maybe it's a stupid criticism and you'll talk, talk to me about like when, um, what was that? Drake or Walter Riley who, uh, burned all the ships in Cutters? Dude, I, don't I think know. it was Walter Riley. <laughs> okay. But I'm probably face palming right now. Either way, this seems dumb. Yeah, it seems a little dumb. So anyway, she no longer has the ships that she magically had in season five. I wonder if that's gonna matter. Mm. Okay, let's go to the Dave Hills episode. Home. Home. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's an establishing shot of the Harpy statue. Yeah, that's also from last Be- season. Mm-hmm. Apparently yeah. no one cleaned it and, up. And, uh, yeah, Avaris, St. Tyrion, and Miss Worm are having, like, a meeting. And it opens with a, with a eunuch joke. Because, yeah. And then, and because apparently Varys makes dwarf jokes, and Varys is like, no, I don't. And Tyrion goes, well, you think them. And Varys seems what? to think this is a super convincing point. Yeah. So poor his star- speaking of retcons, poor his Dorso Sansa's mm. deal just went away. Yeah. Uh, his, his deal that he met he made with Young Kai that was ridiculous. I think you yeah. remember that. Part. So Missandei and Grey Worm are like really concerned mm-hmm. because it, it like you know there's threats from outside the city now. Mm-hmm. Finally. So then Mary Sue Lannister decides to educate the inner city kids, and he's like. Well, you know, these dragons are too sad that yeah. Deadpan is gone now. They decided to do- make make both Grey Worm and Missani people of color, so yay, implications time. Yeah, yay. and so he he basically just like tells them that the reason they have trouble, like the dragons are trained up, but they need to release them, and he says the dragons know friends. And he's like, Missandei, have you hung out with them? And she's like, yeah. They're like, have they attacked you? And she's like, no. I am their friend. <laughs> you know, well, just like Tyrion break, breaks out all his... Tyrion say I'm their friend, whatever. Yeah, he breaks out all his, like, dragon lore knowledge. Talks about, like, how the Targaryen dragons, like, became really small and basically, like, started to go extinct as soon as they were, they, like, their 
or confined inside and things like that. And, Which I yeah. guess is like not unhelpful no, for not them to know, but at the same time, like these are it's he's more the telling tone the, of, that he uses, and he's telling the two people who've literally been hanging out with dragons. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's framed it's framed around how awesome Tyrion is. Yeah. Then he goes to smooth talk the dragons. I, I think this is your favorite scene. <laughs> oh my god, this is just terrible. Well, I kind of like it because it's book snob Rhaegal and Viserys. Yeah. Because <laughs> they like him talking about his, like, childhood book past. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, did we ever fact check that? This is from A Game of Thrones, right? When he tells this story? I think so. I guess we didn't fact check it. I'll fact check it right now. So you talk about the scene and I will fact check it. Okay. I, I like when we work as a team. Anyway, um... Basically, Tyrion goes down to the stairs. Varys won't even do that. And I guess it's cool establishing shots of, like, the dragons in the deep. And then, like, you know, they'll randomly, like, smoke up and you'll see their face and stuff. But he he basically is just like, when I was a little boy, I used to want a dragon. And then I cried when I couldn't have one. And as he's doing this, he's luring the dragons into the sense of security. And then he, like, undoes the collar around their neck. Mm-hmm. And... He's just charming them with the story. And apparently this is going to help them eat because Yeah, because now they're, yeah, not they're not, they're not uh, eating any of the goats that were being given or whatever. Yeah, so but now now that their collars are off, they like know they're loved. And oh, oh, my favorite is that he just opens with the line, "I'm a friend of your mother's." <laughs> or like, "I'm friends with your mother." You're like, "Um, this is ter- this is just terrible. This is terrible. Why didn't Quentin just go down there and say, "Oh, I'm friends with your mom." <laughs> So this is like a, an actual like book passage of Tyrion's in a completely different context. Well, not that I'm friends with your no, mother. no, but just the whole thing about how when he was a kid he wanted a dragon. Like this is this is like evidence prime for the Tyrion is a secret target people, right? That he like used to like have dreams about dragons. So oh yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, and this he's just a smooth yeah. talker. And then he leaves the dragons, and he's like, if I ever have an idea like this again... Because Tyrion is so brave that he was was brave enough to go down the stairs and confront the dragons, and Varys was too cowardly, and he stood at the top of the stairs with a torch. This is a terrible Mm. thing. Anyway... Anyway, yeah, so... I know you're excited about the the next next episode. episode, Earthbreaker, where uh, they're having another meeting. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, they're not having another meeting. This is just Varys... Uh, in the throne room, and he's like fanning himself with a fan because he suddenly found it. And then, um, who comes into the room, Kylie? Evil sex worker! Yay! She has a name. Her name is Val. Vala. Sure. Which is Vala. close enough to Val to be a fuck you. Um, yeah, so <laughs> she like, uh, returns and she can speak English. I don't know if you guys remember her. She's the sex worker who lured the Unsullied into the trap where Barry the Scary was killed. Yeah, and she's also the one who, like, got the stalwart shield knockoff killed. Yeah. Um, But yeah, she can speak English. She can speak English, like, perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. She sounds, she basically sounds like, you know, proper British lady. Uh... So Varys is like he's talking to her and he's he he's using her to find out who the harpy is and he knows that the harpy used evil sex worker. I yeah, guess. he knows all about evil sex worker and her false tears. And <laughs> how? He knows things. <laughs> and he's yeah, he's like impressing her with his ability to gather basic information about her, like her name and the fact that she has a kid. Yeah. And he says a few Dumb. very interesting things. But um she sacrificed her body for a cause, namely like so the liberation she of Marine. Es- 
So was she not a slave before? Like, like was she a master? That would explain why she speaks another language perfectly. So this was all like undercover intelligence gathering. Or are they? Are we supposed but, to presume that they're speaking Valerian this whole time? Is this like a hunt for Red October thing? No, she says I can. I think she says I can speak a language. Oh, did she? I think. Hold on, I can look that up in a second. But like. No, she was. She's all like, I don't like the fact that some asshole conquered my city. <laughs> That's my motivation. So, like, why is she an evil sex worker? Like, was she a sex worker before? Is this like her way of gathering intelligence? Like, why isn't this show about her? That's my question. Yeah. No, she doesn't say anything about the language. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I, I guess we can presume that she, they're speaking Valerian this whole time. I don't think we should presume that. I think it's uh, no, because I think they said something. Ugh, whatever. I'm pretty sure this is English. <laughs> and then they're, they're speaking the common tongue, like, explicitly. Yeah, but no, she's, like, she's smart. She may have been a master. I don't know. Yeah. Like, she's got a backstory. This is really interesting. <laughs> Why couldn't the show be about yeah, her? Yeah, and so Varys is just, like, I know about your son Dom, and he's just, like, am I pronouncing that right? Like, dude, it's a monosyllable. You did fine. Dom. How many ways are there to pronounce Dom? Dom. <laughs> Dom. Dom. Dom might have cystic fibrosis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's unfortunate, but uh, like you know, actually, and he's kind of like doing that thing where he's clearly threatening him, but he's like, I would never threaten him. Children are blameless. I have never hurt them. Fuck you. Which you know, you know, his little birds were in very good shape when they came to Kyburn and the sugar plums. Fuck you, D and D. You don't get uh, to just seriously have slavery and abuse when it's convenient for you. So then she's like, No, they'll kill me if I tell you. Which is very um. The world is not enough in the <laughs> opening sequence. <laughs> He'll kill me if I do. But whatever, he's going to give her like a giant bag Wait, of no, no, silver no, no, that's no, so heavy that he can't lift it. I can protect you. I can protect you. Not from him. <laughs> that's what it is. And then she blows up the balloon. Whatever, there's a giant bag of silver and he's all like, I'm going to have to ask Dan Sully to help me lift it because it's so heavy. Yeah. Has Varus really always been flaming on this show? No. Because <laughs> he's kind of like, like in the books, like he like, you can tell when he really turns it on. Yeah. And I guess that's, I think that this is all Conneth Hill and he's just way too good for this. I think so Is that too. his name? <laughs> or is there an Ellen there? Anyway, meanwhile, yeah. it's Conneth Hill. Well, Conneth, yeah. there's an Meanwhile, Ellen. somewhere else in Marine, Tyrion's hilariously awkward in a room with Masana and But like they're having a meeting, like, but he's like getting drunk instead. Well, he's just like there drinking, and they're kind of just like, "Can this guy leave?" <laughs> they're just, they're just like exchanging. We have look. patrols this to scene, talk about. This scene, by the mm-hmm. way, is three and a half minutes long, and more than two of these minutes are eaten up with what we're about to describe with just Tyrion and Miss. Yeah. So they're, I guess they're, I guess they're like just waiting in the room for Varys to come in with the evil sex worker news. Yeah, because this is telling him who the harpy is. Yeah, right? and just like, aren't they running a city? Like, we run a website, and we have things to discuss every single time we talk about it. They're running a city. <laughs> well, well, Tyrion is awkward, so then he's like, if I weren't here, what would you talk about? They're like, patrol. We would talk about our jobs, we, asshole. We would talk about our jobs, and, <laughs> and Tyrion's like, that's boring. Let's drink. Okay, so we have, like, a reverse honeypot <laughs> here yeah. that, like, Miss Sandy and Grey Worm are trying to run this city. And, but then, and this just like annoying drunk keeps popping in and disrupting. Yeah, but then somehow he gets all the credit for it. <laughs> I don't know. It's really yeah. weird. So then he immortal. So Tyrion immortalizes himself, and he's like a wise man once said, "The true history of the world is the history of great conversations in elegant rooms." Dude, your privilege is showing. Yeah, yeah. And Masani's like, "Who the fuck said this?" 
He's like, I did. And the look she gives him isn't quite an eye roll, but it's about as close as she'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, because Masani's pretty subdued because, probably because she grew up as a slave. And, you know, and then he tries to, to get them to subdued. play, he tries to get them to play a drinking game and he doesn't care that they don't drink. Yeah, he, he basically and forces then, them to drink by, like, toasting to, to deadpan and saying that if they... No, no, that's a different, that's a different That's a different scene? scene? That's a different scene. How many of these scenes are there? Two. Oh my god. <laughs> no, he tries to get them to drink and they just say no and sit there. And then he's like, well, I want to play a game. And Masai's like, my master used to make me play games. He used to make me play just, sex games. Yeah. <laughs> and then he takes credit for inventing Never Have I Ever. And then, I don't know, it's just like the whole thing is just like, Tyrion is so funny and Mr. Rumor such prudes. Isn't that funny? And just like the implications. We're so good at writing for Tyrion. The implications, guys. They're really good at writing Tyrion. Because like he's asking all these questions about like, why don't you have fun? And they're basically like, because our entire lives have been just one mass of pain and abuse. That's why. And he's just like, you're such prudes. And just... <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, Varys finally in. pops in. And he seems a little bit salty, honestly, <laughs> that he was, like, working while Tyrion was just, like, drinking and bothering these people. <laughs> Who are trying to talk about patrols. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, okay, by the way, I found out the masters out of Yunkai and uh, Astapor fund the harp. No way. The no harbor. way. Wow. It's the most obvious possible answer. No way. So, and, and then Tyrion's like, you found out? It's like, yes, Tyrion, we're all working now. <laughs> So basically, he concludes, we don't need to worry about the internal threat. We just need to cut off their supplies. Yeah, because once they, like, don't have money, they won't be a problem. They don't have their own money. How is money helping these guys? Well, those masks are expensive. Okay. And I guess, like, they're wall hiding holes. Yeah. Well, they had to get a contractor <laughs> they- in there. <laughs> it was, like, those costs add up. Oh, my God. We're dragging our ass through this. But, um... and so then Missandei and Grey Worm tried to explain to Tyrion about how, like, he can't really negotiate with the Yunkai and the Astapori because, like... Like the ma- masters, yeah. you just can't. Yeah, because, like, you know, they have their, their engraved pledges, they don't see them as human, like, they won't, like, they'll never deal with them as equals. And he's trying to explain this to them. But Tyrion's And like, Tyrion's like, no, no. No, yeah, no, no. He gently corrects them. <sighs> And then he tells Varys to send little birds there. Have fun. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm I want. Sure I want to show about this. Like, I want to show about like the details of the logistics of his international network of candy loving children. I, I just want to follow evil sex worker and her son Dom to Pentos now. Yeah, maybe Dom can be one of the little candy loving birds. Oh my god! And like we can see it. Like it can be like a fish out of water thing. This is great. We should pitch this. Anyway, while Deadpan's getting her freak on and Dash mm-hmm. it at Vice Dothrak. The Book of the Stranger for Marine Proper yeah. is basically another scene with is- Grey Worm and Masande. Yeah. Although this time they actually have something to talk about where they're like, please don't meet with the masters you're about to meet yeah, with. Yeah, because they're ship You invited them yeah. and you didn't tell yeah. us. Yeah, he invited the masters and they, he didn't bother to inform. Because remember, what the arrangement was when the bros left that Miss Worm... No, the, the, made- no, the, no, no, no. The arrangement was that Tyrion would make all the decisions and they'd just be the mouthpieces. That was the decision. Because the show is really, really, you know, progressive. Okay. Anyway, um, basically, Misanda is like, do you know that Deadpan already tried to negotiate with them? He started so sad to negotiate with them, and it worked wonderfully. Until it didn't. Until it didn't. Until it didn't. What? Oh, poor his And then he says, because he's a completely, complete asshole, he says... That his experience of slavery has taught him how horrible the institution is. 
pause. Do you guys remember what his experience of slavery was? Because I do. Mm-hmm. It was when he beat up a master. You know, first person, and he, then like everyone- a, a cock merchant jumps out of a ro- jumps out from behind a rocket, kidnaps <laughs> him, and he manages to smooth talk him into taking him to uh, Marine instead of like cock just killing merchant- him and cutting off his penis. Then at the auction block, he beats up a master, and everyone finds it so endearing that he gets bought right away. Mm-hmm. Then he's taken to a pit where he doesn't have to fight. He just kind of sits there. And then literally a random person comes out of nowhere and breaks his chains so he can run out and declare himself to be the gift to deadpan. (laughs) And that is the extent of his experience with slavery. Long enough to know, but long not long enough to understand. I actually really do like that. Yeah, like if this was the only scene in the season, we would be saying good things about the spotlight. Yeah. Um, even, even just how this unfolded, because Grey Worm and Masande don't let him no. off the hook here. But, like, the thing, the thing is that even in this scene, like, even when mm-hmm. Grey Worm and Masande are challenging Tyrion, like, to a point, within the context of the season of a whole, you're still supposed to be on his side. Like, you're supposed oh, to always. see him being challenged, but still, like, you know. The brown people voicing reasonable concerns is just something he has to rise up yeah. against. <laughs> to, like, overcome. Like, this, this right? scene in isolation isn't that? But like within the context, no. that's what this scene. No, is. I like I like the scene yeah. in isolation, and I love Masande. She's probably the other character I actually. And I like, I like her her <laughs> like cool little wide uh, legged dressers. They're pretty cool. I just like her. I like her posture. Yeah, she has a great posture. I, was the the actor is she like a ballet dancer or something? She's got that kind of Athlete posture. Emmanuel. Yeah. I don't think so. She's got that kind of ballet Maybe, dancer I, posture. I'll look. Eh, I don't know. Anyway. Tyrion goes to meet with the former masters. Yeah. And, and one of them is the guy who bought him uh, after he was so impressed that he beat another guy up. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you certainly climbed your way to the top. And then they basically lampshade that he's done nothing to earn this. Mm. Yeah. Which is nice. True. Like, tell me, Kylie, what has he done to earn this? He's the gift. Mm-hmm. Um, Missandei's, like, speaking up in the middle of this meeting, too, by the yeah. way. She, she's, like... Deadpan was trying to like liberate or whatever. She says something like that. Yeah. And they, they like seem pretty chill with her, like going off. Well, because Tyrion is a moron, apparently. So he doesn't like, he lets Missandei and Grey Worm sit on this meeting, even though like they haven't been prepped at all. They, they didn't have any kind of like meeting to say what are, what are we going to say in the course of this completely, this very delicate negotiation that will decide the future of this city. Yeah, this is really bad, actually, now that I think. Yeah, like, like, you know, you wouldn't have, like, a call to a client who wants to buy, like, your frozen bees without this, like, with this level of prep. Yeah, well, it, and it's just really, I don't, I don't know, somehow this ends up being the masters, like, trying to convince Missandei and Grey Worm that Deadpan is, is just as bad as they are. Because mm-hmm. they say, just because your master has silver hair and tits doesn't mean she's not a master. Which is stupid on a few levels, because, one, they actually are free. Yeah. And... Two, this is a world where there has been a very long history of people with silver hair being slavers. Yeah. It's called the Valyrian like, Empire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they were very much... They were like much, the Ur slavers. <laughs> yeah. They invented slavery. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And they looked just like dead pen. So maybe that means he has a point. I don't know. <laughs> so Tyrion basically makes this really weird argument. He's like, like, don't yeah, worry. We know the There's the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. He's like, even even without slavery here, like, there's still really poor people and really rich people, mm-hmm. so if you get rid of slavery, you'll still be rich. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, the end of Reconstruction, basically. That's what they realized. Then he says the issue is that there is no new system, mm-hmm. so take seven years to end the practice. Of slavery. Which is How not- is that- Does that mean they're going to be re-enslaving people? 
and then free them again in seven years. Like they just kind of gloss over this, and, but and like Mister are, are kind of just like yeah, this is not a solution. And Mister kind of call him out on that. They're like, first of all, they're like seven years is a very long time when you're a fucking slave. <laughs> right? Oh, and Tyrion says something like, "You'll be compensated for your losses at a fair wage, and also you need to cut off your support for the Sons of the Harpy." Yeah, where is any of this coming from? I know, but this is framed as like brilliant Tyrion negotiations, but. Even though it falls apart, I mean, like, this, I know, sometimes I'm very confused by the framing of this. This is just kind of like Trumpian economics, mm-hmm. where it's just, this is what's going to happen. You How mean does Trump this actually... up trickle-down economics? Oh my god. Someone was really proud of that. <laughs> That's... Oh, god. I wish I could work for that campaign and give her better lines. But no, I'm just saying, like, this is what it reminds me of, where, like, they ask a question or, like, he proposes something, but there's not actual substance to it. Mm-hmm. But everyone acts like there's substance to, to it. Me- like, yeah, exactly. Like, the scene isn't about the substance. The scene is about how awesome Tyrion is. And if you listen to the outside the episode, they basically say he's Abe Lincoln. Yeah, he's the Abraham Lincoln of his time. Yeah, and they they, they researched and Abe Lincoln was one of the things, and, and you know, because Abe Lincoln did the whole emancipro- Emancipation Proclamation thing, which only freed slaves in the rebelling territories, yeah. not in, not everywhere. And it was kind of this piecemeal. He was very much yeah, a... Yeah, and he's, um, like, signed this uh, Fugitive Slave Act and things like that before that. Yeah, but apparently they missed the part where Lincoln was actually a very, very committed emancipationist. Yeah, abolitionist. And, uh, abolitionist and had had a plan mm-hmm. for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, like, like the, the famous line that people say about how if he could save the union without freeing one slave, he would do it. Like, that was followed by a but. Like, literally. Yeah. He's like, he said that famous line, but I absolutely adhor slavery. Just like Michelle Bachman. Just like Michelle Bachman adhors slavery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just like, but I'm an emancipationist. That's basically how he ended that statement. So the whole Abe Lincoln thing is a very shallow understanding of Anyway, the scene kind of unceremoniously ends when Tyrion just, like, gives sex workers over to the masters. Yeah, I think the point is just that, like, if you give sex workers, like, money and not own them, it's just as good, I guess. See if slavery doesn't, or see if if freedom doesn't feel the same. Yes. (laughs) Oh, fear didn't glitch on his accent. It was terrible. (laughs) Never change. This is so confusing. Okay. We're treated to another scene of former slaves who instantly know about this deal. Mm-hmm. And Missandei and Grey Worm have to, like, defend it. And then Tyrion. all of a sudden there's a language barrier again? Uh, Tyrion can't speak Valerian again, yeah. So the masters were speaking the common tongue to him? Yes. Then the former... Don't worry, though. These former slaves speak the common tongue. Why? Yeah, I mean, okay... Oh, and then he's great, because he's, like, on top of the steps, and he's like, I am not your leader, and he walks down the steps, and he's like, I'm just one of you. Yeah, and these, like, former slaves ask extremely legitimate questions about, like, why the fuck are you, like, why the fuck are you making deals with the people who, like, re-enslave the people in their own cities and want to do it to us? And when's our queen getting back? Yeah, and also, where the fuck is Deadpan? (laughs) Oh, and then he, then Tyrion just throws Grey Worm onto the bus. He's like, Grey Worm's on board, and Grey Worm's like, um... Grey Worm just kind of grey he, he just was kind of like, I guess this is fine. And then Missandei said, a wise man once said, we make peace with our enemies, not our friends. Because Tyrion just said that. Yeah, like literally Two just said before. that. So she called him a wise man. But you can tell it's like painting her to say it. Yeah. I mean, that's. I, I think that's the actor again more than the script. I, I don't know. She was supposed love, to realize yeah. the wisdom of his ways. No, no. Natalie, Natalie Emmanuel does just an amazing job with this role and yeah. She's too good for this, too. Anyway, I guess that appeases the former slaves, kind mm-hmm. 
this is but this is what they were to do like they're the brown people to be the math beast that's the point yeah. Yeah, this is the According job. to the outside of the episode, I'm sorry I keep bringing these up. It's just we need it to understand the plot. <laughs> they're, you know, they're worried, but at the same time, they know that Danny trusts Tyrion, so they trust Tyrion. What? They... We'll talk about that later. <sighs> anyway, the, the last scene of this episode for them is Grey Worm yelling at Tyrion. Good. And he's like, please don't use me for your lies, because that was really fucking awful mm-hmm. of you. As well, I mean, as animated as Grey Worm's going to be. And then he says, they look at me and they see a soldier. They look at Masande, they see a whore. Yeah. They're like, she's a translator. A translator who was forced to play lesbian sex games. I don't know. And then Tyrion says that, really, he's just as oppressed as they are. Yeah, I cannot... I, all war is terrible. All slavery is terrible. I cannot end both today. <laughs> He's the Abe Lincoln of his time. He's the Abe no, just like, of his time. And their take on Tyrion is so weird because, like, he's still like, like you know, he's still a physically disabled person, mm-hmm. and those implications don't disappear just because the script seems to forget it most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, hey, hey, darling, we're at an hour and a half. <laughs> no, but this character, like, this character is just like one big ball of privilege, but at the same time, he's still. A physically disabled character, and it confuses me. But they just never do anything with that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, they like... they kind of do, they kind of like do like oh poor Tyrion, everybody hates him unjustly because he's a dwarf. He like pretends that people tell dwarf jokes when they yeah. don't. Like he says that Varys thinks them, and Varys is like, I guess I do think and them. Then, yeah, and... and then he like lies about it with Theon later. Anyway, let's move on to episode five, yeah. which is the door. Oh, and dear. it's been apparently two weeks since okay. the last episode. And Andy's yeah. head is exploding right now. Uh-huh. <sighs> so there's a, a temporary peace because of Tyrion's Wonderfield deal, because apparently the Sons of the Harpy, um, as soon as they found out they weren't getting paid anymore for their masks, they stopped terrorizing people. Yeah. So that was the only thing motivating them. Yeah. And just like, so it's been two uh, weeks without any deaths at all. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, in the books, that was kind of suspicious that there's nine, like, people have pointed that out, that, like, if you have a city that size and you have 90 days when no one was murdered, like, even if there's not an insurrection going on, there's something weird, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but whatever. Um, Tyrion is an awesome publicist, though, mm-hmm. because basically, he's just worried about Deadpan's public image, because he's like, alright, well, the city's under control, but I want everyone to know what Deadpan's doing. Yeah. Because he's also very humble. Yes. He's the most humble person. Yes. He's more humble than anyone. <laughs> So then he talks about how, like, they need to have someone they can trust to spread the word. And Varys says something like, good luck finding him. And Tyrion goes, who said anything about him? Because like, girl you know, power, women on top, Kuvir is coming. And this is calling back to, you know, the first season, uh, first episode of season five. But does this mean he already knew Kuvira? I guess. <laughs> like, he already knew it was going to be a her. Yeah, well... Ferris is really well connected and he loves the faith of Lorelor, so he knew Kuvira and to call her. No, this was Tyrion. <sighs> right. It just doesn't make any no. sense. No, no, and it doesn't make any sense either because we're told, like, almost right away that she just came from Volantis. She wasn't even the she wasn't even the red priestess in Volantis who gave him the look of significance last year. Do you remember uh-huh. that? But that was just like some if random street creature. This At is like, the, like oh, this is yeah. the Rolor Pope. Oh my god. So, and she just warped from Volantis, so I guess it's been another two weeks? Is there a reason we can't just have the Green Grace on the nope. show? Is there a reason nope. they had to do this? Well, because the Green Grace is old, and she doesn't have pricky boobs. Okay, so, 
we're treated to the scene with Kuvira where she comes to talk to Varys and Tyrion in the like. Yeah, and Vidic Brile is there and he introduces her. She is the she is Kinvara. She's Kuvira, yeah. the high priestess of the Red Temple of Volantis, the flame of truth, the light of wisdom, the first servant of the Lord of Light. Yeah. It's pretty badass. Notice how they don't call them slaves of the Lord like they do in the books. So she's also wearing a Glabro necklace, so which might mean she's, she's secretly old, yeah. or it might mean that D&D are the least imaginative people in the world. Or April Farley is the least imaginative person in the world, because she's just like, oh, Mel has a necklace, I guess they all have necklaces. <laughs> it's like she's cosplaying as Melisandre, it looks really bad. Anyway. I know, this actor kind of looks like, uh, what's her face? Uh, Rachel Weiss. A little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tyrion says, welcome to Marine." It's a good thing everyone's gonna listen to her. <laughs> I don't know, they, like, wasted 30 seconds on, like, witty banter while she just stands there not saying anything. <laughs> then we learned that she's very anti-slavery. Yeah, I mean, she's basically yeah. just like, you don't need to ask for my help. I'm already going to give you my help. And he's just like, oh, okay. Ooh, she's not very Kuvira-like. No, she's not very Kuvira-like at all. <laughs> and so basically, like, as we found out in the first episode, the Rolorites are already standing for a deadpan hard. They have been since, like, last season at least. Yeah, with the Red Priestess that gave him a look of significance. Yeah. So like, maybe that was her, and it when she had a glamour on. Oh my god, this honeypot! This so it makes sense. <laughs> so that's why she knows things. <laughs> what she also loves burning people. Yeah, well, she talks about how like all the sinners are going to be burned by the dragons. Because she's like, and we can burn the infidels. And Tyrion's like, um, okay. Well, there's people here who aren't into that. Yeah. So so all of a sudden he's Stannis. And I he's don't just know what's like, going on. you know, I'm not going to throw my followers who aren't Rolorites under the bus. That doesn't sound like Stannis. That's, Stannis loved burning people. No, Stannis refused to burn his loyal followers just because they're infidels. Uh, that's not the Stannis I remember. The Stannis I remember lit his daughter up. <sighs> right. We're talking about Satanis. Um, stop the conflation. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, that's me. Okay. Anyway, Varys is not on board with any no, of this. No, he's just which... like, I read my Dawkins. I disapprove. <laughs> But just like, uh, Varys, you're a pro. You can't get through one conversation, like, with a... You're negotiating for your life. And basically, (laughs) he says, like, the Red Priestess with Stannis was a total dud. Mm -hmm. So is like, not all Red Priests. Yeah. And then, kind of offhand, he gives Tyrion all the credit for defeating Stannis um, in Blackwater. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Just, God. It's called POV bias, D&D. So, so, somehow this conversation ends up being about Varys's castration. Mm-hmm. Now it was all God's plan. Yeah, and Kuvir's like, it's God's plan, <laughs> and, and do you, do you remember what you heard? Cause I remember what you heard. It, it, it's kind of freaky, and like, poor man's Rachel Weiss does a good job with it. It's like, she has, she has these like really striking eyes. Yeah. I have no complaints about the acting in this show 99% of the time. Anyway, the two episodes go by mm-hmm. and we don't see any of these people, that's fine with yeah. me. But we pick back up in, the eighth episode, no one. Yes. So I'm starting to think Marine is Republic City because it's like all these preachers are out there. And like, you know how everyone just listens to the one guy with the megaphone? <laughs> equality now, equality now. We want But it's showing like now. a red priest 20 feet from the next red priest. It's like, okay, this is overkill. <laughs> but the, but we have Tyrion and Varys walking through the city, and Tyrion is all smug, like like he has his thumbs in his armpits, kind of smug, you know, he's walking around. <laughs> and like these people were already preaching about how awesome they before you did anything. Now they're just like you know oversaturated. It, it, it's like it's like a convention of like Jehovah's Witnesses or something. <laughs> just you can't walk through it. <laughs> 
And so then Tyrion celebrates with yet another eunuch joke for the millionth fucking time. Like, but Varys is just like, all right, I I have plot things to yeah, do. Well, so, 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 okay, so, so, like, magically somehow Tyrion has brought peace to the city by getting people to do what they're already doing and cutting off the money supply of the Sons of the Harpy. So, to the rich boys, yes. To the rich boys. <laughs> and given... That, given that how that if we accept the premise that that magically brings peace, I guess it makes sense that trade is back, so his smirk is justified. Yeah. Okay, of course it does. <laughs> um. So uh, did did Varys know about the pornish coup? Yeah, he, on yeah, I Cersei Twitter. Okay. I mean, if he didn't, then I want to watch that show of like him arriving and all of a sudden there's Princess Valeria. I want to watch that. <laughs> I want to watch all of Floria and her bell. Yes. I want to. I want to try to watch this asshole try to run. I want to watch this asshole try to run Dorne. All the guards love her. Yeah. I'm sure the Ironwoods are really into her. Varys basically tells Tyrion, "I have plot things to do." Yeah, and then he's like, "Be careful." I don't. I don't, I, I don't know what the preface is to this. It's something stupid. He, just, he calls him like, the most famous dwarf in the city. And he's like, no, you mean the most famous dwarf in the world. It's a very Michael Scott moment. It is. Yeah. And this, and this is the exact this is, same This is Michael Scott by himself. This is by, that's, it's Michael Scott by himself a mug that says world's number one boss on it. Yeah. Well, and, and this is, um, very much like the same exact arc. Remember how Sam had the same arc two years in a row? Yeah. Well, so did Tyrion. It's called learning to love himself. Yeah. It's finding the courage to say, I am the gift. Then there's like touching music <laughs> as they leave. They bonded okay. really. So then what happens, Julia? My favorite scene in the entire world. Well, Tyrion is sad because his BFF left, so he decides to get drunk while Miss Herm are trying to have a meeting. Again. Again. This is like the third time this has happened. And Miss Herm is just like, can Deadpan come back? (laughs) This is really terrible. So Tyrion's like, we're going to toast to her. Yeah, he forces, because Miss Andy and Greymore are still like, we don't drink. And like, Miss Andy's just like, I just don't like wine. And Miss Worm, uh, and Grey Worm is- Miss Andy says she doesn't like how it makes her feel. Yeah, she doesn't like being drunk, which is like a perfectly reasonable way, reason not to drink. And Grey Worm is like, it's against the unsullied rules to drink. And, Which is also perfectly reasonable when you're a soldier in a very structured fighting unit. And, like, obviously, the, like, the structure that, the, like, they have really gives their lives beating. And, but, but, yeah. He says anyone who doesn't drink is disrespecting our queen. Yeah, so he basically forces them to drink alcohol against their will. And then he starts explaining fermentation to And them. how he always wanted to own a vineyard. It's so bizarre, guys. And, like, I just want to die. Like, yeah, and he's just terrible. like, when this war is over and we have peace, I'm going to have a vineyard and I'm going to make the best wine and I'm only going to give it to my friends. red wine, dude. I don't care. <laughs> so then he starts to tell them that they need, he, he starts to be like, we need to tell jokes because I guess he's cheering up. And then he and, and Miss Andy team up to explain what a joke is to Grey Worm. Which is weird. But um, Tyrion tells this joke, which is basically like, Starks are stupid. And no, Starks are... like really like beer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Starks. No, the, the 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 point of the joke was that Martells are alcoholics and Starks are really dumb. No, I don't think that was it. I do because the Stark yelled at the fly. No, what happened is that okay. So there's a Lannister or Martell. Oh, please, oh don't. And a Stark and the Lannister and they get they each get a cup of beer with a fly in it and the Lannister is all gross and is like, get me a new one without a fly in it. And the Martell uh, eats the fly, and the yeah, and Stark just drinks and is like, whatever the fuck. And the Stark yells at the fly to give the beer back. Yeah, he picks the fly out and starts Sing, yelling at it. Spit it out, you wee bastard! Spit it out! I don't know what the joke is supposed to be. 
neither do Grey Worm and Masande. I'm, so. I'm not sure how it like lines up with like okay, the Lannisters are snobs, but I don't understand that st- that lines up with the other two stereotypes at all. I'm confused. Then Tyrion says that joke lands better in Westeros. Tyrion, is this the only joke you know? Because you know that this is not a Westerosi crowd. Yeah, like you know they would. I thought this. you were supposed to be so super then, smart. So then Missandei tells this a really, really amazing joke. I actually like it. Where a trans, there's like two translators or something. Like, there's a translator and someone else on no, the boat. No, there's two translators and the boat is sinking. Yeah, the boat is sim- sinking. And the one translator says, like, can you do anything? Can you, do you know how to swim? And the other translator says, no, but I can yell help in 17 different languages. <laughs> and then, it's like, Missworm gives her this smile and I have sudden Missworm feels. Because their relationship is so pure, you know? Grey Worm looks, like, really, like, happy yeah. with her. Yeah, no, they're they're cute. They're a cute couple. For all I said about them being boring, they're cute. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, it's all the actors again. Anyway, then they all start giggling, but everything changed when the slavers attacked. Well, because Missandei is drunk at this point, because she's been forced to drink. So she's all, like, giggling and adorable. And Grey Worm's kind of laughing. Grey Worm tells a joke. Yeah, Grey Worm doesn't drink, though, at any point. Like, he drinks no, that when one he tells sip. a joke, which is kind of funny, because you think he's mad, but then he says, I tell a joke. <laughs> Because he can't speak English. <laughs> They're like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> and then the slavers attack. They hear horns or something, right? They have these, like, there's, like, this giant fleet coming in. And they've got these, like, sweet harpy sails. And the Sandy's like, the masters have come for their property. And so they, like, reneged on this stupid deal that Tyrion gave them about the seven years. Which, like, yeah, why didn't yeah, they, like, just... just wait seven years and, like, have, I don't know, whatever. I mean, that seven years was cut is, is a bigger gift than those castles that you gave the Dornish. The seven, the seven years is the gift. Yeah. So then what's great is that Grey Worm starts screaming at Tyrion. Mm-hmm. This is where your bro- talking brought us. Good. Yeah. Why isn't Grey Worm in charge? I don't know. And then Tyrion's <laughs> like, I was wrong. And Miss Sandra's like, no, you did your yeah. best. And then, <laughs> lo and behold, in from the window. Yeah, we the- hear a thump on the ceiling. And yeah. then, like, they open the door, like, the balcony door, and the Unsullied, like, go out with their spears. And like, But then, like, Deadpan just kind of, like, moseys on in, like, Kramer. And she has this... She just, like, slides in. Yeah, she has this look on her face that the internet has not been able to describe. Some people say it's like when your mom comes home and finds you've been partying, but that's not what it looked like to me at no. all. I don't... I, I seriously cannot tell you what it was like. I, I think it was, like, like, mild annoyance. Like, I leave you alone for at least two months. And this is what you do. So I guess it is like your mom coming home from a party. Boy, she has some good timing. Yeah. Lucky her. Anyway, that takes us to Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. And there's a battle. And so, yeah, we open up with uh, the slavers attacking the city. And we have this pretty cool tracking shot of, like, the flaming ball of tar. And there's, like, the Fire Nation theme playing. <laughs> it sounds like the Fire Nation theme, Kylie. Don't make fun of me. Well, Kuvira is on the other side. Maybe maybe this is, like, you know, what would have happened in a book five. Okay. Izumi versus Kuvira. I don't know. Whatever. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> Izumi would not be a slaver. This is terrible. Whatever it is, Deadpan's really pissed at Tyrion, mm-hmm. and he's like, the city's on the rise. But then No, he, like, like, it's like she's walking towards him, he's, like, walking back. It's really weird. Yeah, but he says the city's on the rise. Yeah, like, and- we were in that marketplace, and it was thriving, and there was it- preachers everywhere. And and it's the rebirth of Marine that's causing this violence. And she's like, good, yeah, good job, Tyrion, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So then she so she gets a little less mad at him, and he's like, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to burn everyone down. Yeah. And you're like... And what well, this is framed... Okay, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. This is framed as a really, really bad thing. Yeah. But at the same time, I think she was literally just suggesting burning the fleet. Like, they are under attack. What would you like her to do? Yeah. And she does end up burning everything. To, I don't know. Unless she was talking about raising... She mentioned raising their cities also, right? She ends up burning, like, a sample size of the fleet. Yeah. 
Well, no, I think I think when she says what I want to do, I think her long term plan was to like kill the people here now and then go to their cities and also kill them. And that, and he was like, "Oh, Ares sounded like he would do that too." Ares, Ares, and <laughs> he talks about how he killed all his citizens. And I know this is a really small detail, but they keep calling people citizens, and it's hilarious because like citizenship is a, a concept that's very strongly associated with like representative forms of government. Monarchs don't have citizens; they have subjects. So it makes no sense to call them citizens. <laughs> well, you know what, Julia? They had to seed the wildfire somehow, so... Yeah, well, Tyrion... Apparently, Larry told St. Tyrion all about the wildfire that he never told anyone until he had a bath with Brienne, and it was a huge deal for him. He told Tyrion all about but now, that. But now he's told everyone. Yeah. And he told Cersei, too. Yeah. Which Carol. Carol, yeah. Um, anyway, Tyrion is like, I suggest an alternate approach. Which, uh, it's framed as this, like, amazing surprise, like, well, Yeah, like, cause that, that, like, how the scene ends, it's like a little cliffhanger. Ooh, let's, let's find out. And, and his alternate approach is literally negotiating peace with the slavers. Wow. What an out-of-the-box opinion. We're taken on this, like, mountainside where the slavers, these three slavers are, like, brought in with a very small troop legion of Unsullied, or their own Unsullied, I guess. No, cause they have, like, families or something later on. Sure. And they're still firing during negotiations, which seems rude as shit. Yeah, but I mean, they maybe just Tyrion sucks at this, and he didn't even negotiate a ceasefire for the negotiations. <laughs> Missandei would have, but she was drunk. Yeah, um, well, Tyrion, Tyrion is all like, "Okay, we're here to discuss terms." So the, the slavers start like talking about their terms about how how they're going to kill the dragons, and Danny is going to leave on foot, and they're going to take back Missandei, even though she was like a gift. Yeah, so, that's, that's rude of them. And then uh, Danny very empoweredly goes, we're here to discuss your surrender, not mine. Amelia Clark's acting. She should get all the Emmy nominations, Kylie. Oh my god, it's so bad. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. It's just, Tyrion's alternate approach was apparently just Danny flying around on Drogon to win a battle. Yeah, so she, so Drogon, who has, like, the best timing, except when like, his mother is literally being held hostage by a bunch of rapists, just comes swooping in, and all the slavers kind of freak out, reasonably, I suppose, and then, like, she climbs up on him and flies away, Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, and that's the alternate approach. Yeah, yeah, the alternate approach is, like, yeah, it's a sample size of her, like, first approach. She's, like, flying towards the fleet, and, um, Rhaegal and Viserion, like, somehow magically know that she's there now and they can open the door. I'm, I'm f- honestly, I am fine with the dragons being magic. Yeah, like like it's literally magic, I mean. Like a wizard literally yeah, like, did it. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm less okay with Drogon. Sp- like, he very obviously appears when the plot yeah, demands like not, it. Yeah, like not when the magical bond demands it, but when the plot demands it. Because like, yeah. why the fuck wasn't he there when she burned down the temple? It's more empowering that she did it. Why the fuck wasn't he there when she was like talking to Kal Moro about what was going to happen to her. Why the fuck did he not come when the fucking horde of Dothraki was like, doing donuts in the Irish anyway, Sea? Anyway, this is, this is a really stupid point, but, like, Drogon is spiky as shit, and I think we talked about how Danny's Vag is probably going to be killing her, but, like, re-watching it, it doesn't get better. No. So, yeah, she uh, focuses all her attention on burning this one ship down, and it takes all three dragons, like, whole minutes to do this. Also, she needs these ships. Yeah, well, that's why she only brings down a sample size. I don't know what her original plan was, but... 
Which dragon was it that burnt down the entire Aaron fleet? Was that uh, Maraxes or Vagar? I thought Vagar. Yeah. But I'm just guessing, honestly. Look it up. How is how is this episode not the one that they named Dance of the Drag Dance of the Dragons? Yeah. They named the episode with the one dragon, whatever. Yeah, it was Vagar who burnt the entire Aaron fleet during the conquest. Yeah. That was one dragon. <laughs> so maybe it's it's just because they're very young. I don't know. Sure, and they just broke out. I guess they ate their goats, so they're yeah empowered. Anyway, we cut to a shot of outside the gates, just outside the gates of Breen, where there's, like, what the fuck is it? There's just, like, this group of strawmen of the harpy stabbing people. Yeah, just, like, stabbing, like, like, random... What are these random people doing right outside the city gates? I guess they're fleeing the city. What are the strawmen of the harpy doing outside the gates? They're in insurrection. They're in the city. And I guess you can say that, um, if we're being generous, I suppose, you can say that the people who are there randomly being killed are the people fleeing the city, and the strawmen of the harpy were there to kill the people who were randomly fleeing the city. It's just so weird. It's just so weird it just cuts to these people in masks randomly stabbing people yeah because we haven't seen these people for the entire season and then the dothraki show up and who is leading the dothraki joya is it fabio it is fabio because even the dothraki need to be led by a white dude mm. i guess he's white he's white yeah meet me back at the slavers negotiations yeah. so uh gray worm like steps forward and he's like so the queen who's burning your ship right now your one ship uh right now decided that uh one of you has to die one of the three of you has to die to pay for your crimes and then like the slavers get because you know they're they're decadent easterners they get all like kill him kill him and they throw like one of them under the bus yeah so then gray worm kills the other two yeah gray worm kills the other two and he's just like go out and tell the story and oh we we missed the part where gray worm Tells the uh, other guards, like, the fake Unsullied, yeah. like, you you can either stay here and get killed, or you can go home to your family, yeah, and so they, they all run, run away. away. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice moment for Grey Worm. I got he got a moment, at least. Um, so then Tyrion is like, thanks for the Armada. Which Danny burned part of, but okay. She's only burning the one ship. With her three dragons. Tell your people what happened. Yeah, and then Tyrion starts lecturing them about their privilege. And yeah. he's all like, well, you know, you, you like really into killing people in the abstract, but then like when you actually encounter death, you can't handle it because you're so privileged and just like, he's the man of people kind of like. Yeah, but his thesis is tell your people what happened here. Mm-hmm. Tell them what happened when you crossed deadpan. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so what's the, what's the deal then? Do they, do they still have slaves for seven years? Is that off the table? Are they, did they outlaw slavery? Do you remember how you said you needed all the problems are solved? All the problems it? are solved, Kylie. We've, we're moving on. Nothing is solved. The, the, the problems are solved, Kylie, okay? This entire plotline is wrapped up in a little package. Fabio has it. It's fine. Yeah. And then he calls Deadpan Her Majesty. <laughs> Which is another thing that's just like a small little detail. But I know because, um, like it, it, it's, it's like a little point of contention when Danny is Queen of Marine in the books. That uh, certain characters, the Westrosi characters, always call her Your Grace in the Westrosi fashion. Yeah. But like the Gascari are like into terms like Your Radiance, Your Magnificence, and I think Your Majesty was actually one of them. But just like as like an adjective kind of thing, like just like shiny things is how they call their monarchs, basically. Um, anyway, yeah, so. we can't we can't go over two hours with the recap portion. I won't let it. <laughs> Good luck. We're running. <laughs> We're running up there. The next scene is very just unceremoniously. The Greyjoys game. Yes, and we're only going to discuss this from the point of view of Danny and Tyrion because we're also going to discuss this in the other plotline. So, um... It's Yara and Theon. Yeah, and they just missed the battle, apparently. Yeah, at least Deadpan's wearing dark blue now, though, instead of white for the yeah. millionth fucking time. And so, like, Tyrion is all, 
telling Theon off for making fun of him in season one, even though footage not found. Yeah, no, Tyrion basically says everyone makes a dwarf joke. They think they're so clever making a dwarf joke. If you watch it, it's Tyrion, like... Making fun of Theon for being a for being hostage, basically. Yeah. So, but this goes on for like a really, really long time. And like Theon has all this, uh, uh, Tyrion has all this insight into Theon's childhood somehow. Like it's <laughs> it's really strange. And Tyrion takes stuff really personally, and he can't let it go. Yeah, which I mean, kind of reminds me of someone right now. But <laughs> the analysis is going to be bizarre. Details. Hmm. The, no, like. This analysis is going to be bizarre because this character just makes no sense on any level and they don't seem to have any idea what they're doing with him. But they think they're doing something really cool. Anyway. So, oh, the Tyrion also kind of implies that if Theon had any friends in his life, then he wouldn't have been tortured. It was, it's really weird. So anyway, um, substantiveness is that, uh, Yara and Theon have shown up and they bought a thousand ships. A hundred. Oh, sorry. Yes. A hundred ships. Sorry. Um, and they want like to make an alliance with deadpan. As long as Yara gets to be queen gets of to be Iron queen. Islands. Yeah. And uh, there's this great exchange where Danny says, has the Iron Islands ever had a queen before? And Yara says, no more than Westeros. Yeah. So... We're not going to talk about Yara. Um, but yeah. But Rhaenyra. Okay. Basically, they make they make this deal that like they're going to team up and they're both going to be queen and it's going to be awesome. And then Deadpan starts talking like Obama talk. Yeah. She's all like... We're going to leave the world better than we found it. I think that's the exact line. How's that hopey changey stuff working out for you? Yeah. And just like, fucking wait. Like, 20 minutes ago, showtime, she was talking about burning everyone to the ground, and now she's a social reformer. What the fuck happened to change her mind about this? Is it because Tyrion told her that he had an alternative plan? It's because her scene adapts to Tyrion's needs. Like, like her stances adapt to Tyrion's needs. She's she's not consistent. No. Anyway, then we get I mean, to maybe meeting. maybe like okay, I'm gonna be generous. Uh, maybe she saw that Tyrion was right about his alternative plan, and now she's full of hope again. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and that parallels how full of hope he was earlier. Yes. Why not? Anyway, then we get queer baiting. <laughs> because okay, we'll talk about this more in the Iron Morn. Why I think. not? I guess. Like, I don't think this is significant for Deadpan. Yeah. Well. Be- like we're very confused about what her plan is for the arrangement in West in the political arrangement in Westeros after she conquers it. But she wants to break the wheel, but she also wants to be a social reformer, and she I guess she cares about the children. Yeah, and she wants to respect the integrity of the Seven Kingdoms, but she's also giving away a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they like they like grab forearms because I don't know. oh yeah, D- Deadpan says that the the Ironborn can't rape anymore. Yeah. And Yara gets mad. Okay. But whatever. They they, they get their male nods of approval and then they shake hands. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. And then the last episode, whose official title Winds is of Winds Winter. of Winter, Fuck You. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, Deadpan dumps Fabio. Like, <laughs> no, like, all of a sudden everything is ready to go. She's ready to invade Restros. Well, yeah, like, the scene, like, starts with Fabio being like, the fleet is almost done. They're painting the sails. How darn is shit then? Um, yeah. What's the timeline? And, like, within the episode, the scene with Faris and Dorne is right before this. Um, just FYI. And so he talks to, like, uh, she's like, you're not coming with me. And then Fabio thinks that he's going to go attack Casterly Rock or something. He's like, oh, you want to attack on the West Coast? And he's like, I'm going to take Casterly Rock. It's so bizarre. His fucking weird-ass battle strategy. <laughs> Hold on, let me look it up. It's really bad. Yeah, good luck taking Casterly Rock, you asshole. <sighs> the new strategy? You want the Second Sons to attack from the West Coast? If we take Castle Rock, the Lannisters will have nowhere to run when you hit King's Landing. What? Let's, like, post, like, like in, in like, the recap or whatever, let's just have, like, the, the world book picture of Castle Rock. 
<laughs> just like Nuff said. Well, like, go for lattice port and something. <laughs> anyway, so she's, she basically tells us that she's dumping him because when she gets to Westeros, she's going to have to marry somebody for political convenience. And then she doesn't know the word paramour, so she calls him his lover. Love, you're my lover. Yeah, well, he actually makes good points because mm-hmm. she's like, I can't have a boyfriend. And he's like, why not? Mm-hmm. You totally could have a boyfriend. She's like, because I need to marry. He's like, okay, I'll just be your, I'll just be your boy toy. Yeah. But she's like not having it. Yeah. Even though, like, she knows that she can't have kids. Like, she mentions that earlier about how she won't bear any sons for anyone. It's weird. Um, so, and yeah, he basically, she's basically like, you know, stay here, get laid, I'm gonna go. Um, dude, like, I know we call her deadpan, but this scene dials it up to like 11. Yeah, she's just like, I mean, I guess she's, she's trying, I think she's a little drunk because, like, she's breaking up with her boyfriend, so. Maybe. And she's like a deadpan drunk. Um, I think this might be touching if, like, we had any reason at all to give a shit about Yeah, that. like, if this relationship was in any way compelling. Yeah. Like, I, I was trying to, like, project my fanfic characters onto this scene, and it didn't well, help. Well, there's just nothing to either of them. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, not to toot my own horn, but I think, like, the readers of my fanfic are more invested in, in Laurie and Henrik than anyone is in these two. Well, and Fabio, like, closes out by being, like, those people of Westeros don't know what's coming for them. It's like, I don't, well, I mean, probably not because D&D can't plan. But, like, Danny, Deadpan's awesomeness. Like, where is this coming it's from? It's an informed attribute, yeah. Yeah. So then she goes to report to Tyrion that she's done, as he has assigned her to do in his homework sheet or whatever. God. <laughs> Kill me now. <laughs> And he, like, pats her on the head for dumping it, and he just, like, takes this tone, like, you did the right thing. You couldn't have gone to Westeros with a boyfriend. Good for you. You're so responsible. If this was Henrik and Laurie, Laurie would be, like, punching this fool. Yeah. Like, 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 I mean, if this was someone praising her for dumping Henrik. Yeah. Also, this chemistry between them, like, thank God they rushed to put Tyrion and Deadpan on the same team, because this is just great. Yeah, like, they, like, you can just tell how much they've bonded. Yeah. Over that one oh, conversation. Oh, and, and Tyrion knows all about Deadpan's childhood too. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, you know, you. this is what you've been working for your whole life and everything. Ever since you've wanted to be. Yeah, he's never read a Game of Thrones because Danny didn't really want to be a queen at that point. He, uh, he asks her if she's afraid and she says, yeah. And he's like, good. Good, you are yeah, five years uh, old. I, like, can't stand this. Anyway, uh, dead, Deadpan's like, I'm a little worried that I was too deadpan when I was dumping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Fabio. worried about my own inability to express emotions. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. <laughs> no, when did, like, like, when did she and Tyrion develop this, like, close personal relationship where they're sharing their innermost thoughts? When? Um, oh, the wheel-breaking speech. Okay, in between the wheel-breaking speech and the time where he gets, a, like, a, a... He is the reason she has a city. A box of honor yeah. speech at her, like, wedding games or whatever. Remember when she got married off-screen and they don't even, like... <laughs> oh, they, they had a lot of off-screen bonding. <sighs> anyway, whatever. She... De- Deadpan, like, has the hand of the... Pi- the hand of the queen pin in her boobs and she just, like, whips it out. Mm-hmm. Like, she literally pulls it out of her chest. I don't know where she was getting And the, the Tyrion has this whole speech about how she's so inspiring to him and he's not a cynic anymore because she's just that awesome. And Which I guess is his character progression. No, like, this is this is supposed to be the like continuation of the scene right before the cock merchants in season five, where uh, Jorah the Andal says exactly the same thing. So now he's seen her, and he like gets 
this awesomeness. He gets exactly what Jorah was talking about, about how awesome she was and how he, he makes you not an atheist anymore. <laughs> right? Oh this god. is a callback to that scene. Oh my god. Well, Deadpan's touched and she makes him hand to the queen. Yeah. And so then the last... Because this awesome advising is also an informed attribute. <sighs> and then the last scene of the season actually is them sailing to Weisroth with a bunch of <laughs> like Dornish and Tyrell boats. But they're sailing out of Slaver's Bay. So I guess Varus came in the 10 minutes in between this, the scene and like the Alaria scene. And he came with a bunch of Tyrell and Dornish boats and now they're going back. Cause Varus is there! Even though 10 minutes ago he was a Dorn! And we would say it was just a production snafu, mm-hmm. but Brian Cogman said no, no. No, no. I mean, like the problem is the timeline. They don't give any thought to the timeline. And oh, so they have the, to. Uh... The inside the episode confirmed that they're sailing out of Slaver's Bay heading west. Yeah. So, like, we, so the Dornish ships that are with them just, like, went to Slaver's Bay just to come back? Yeah. They want to help with the sail painting. Yeah. Well, oh, did we mention realize. that Fabio was put in charge of Marine? We didn't mention that. Yeah, Fabio is, no, not just Marine, <laughs> all of Bay of, the Bay of Dragons. So now she's running Yunkai and Asport too? I guess. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. He's, pr- he's pretty qualified. He's very qualified. He has a really nice butt. He does. Anyway, that's it. That's, that's the story. <sighs> Two hours. Good job, us. It's a lot of crap here. Um, let's jump into an outro, even though we're going to be doing an analysis. Yeah, um, this is definitely going to be two episodes. <laughs> yeah, it has to be two episodes. So, obviously, our pieces will already be out. Mm-hmm. Check those out. And then if you want to hear us ramble our way through our analysis as we try to plan what those essays were, then that will be our next UBS podcast. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed this recap. It was a... Uh, High level. I think you knew you were in for a treat when we spent ten minutes on Fabio and Dar- Mario find uh, uh, Fabio and Jorah finding the ring. Yeah, <laughs> the one ring. <laughs> oh God, these recaps—they don't get old. They really don't. Uh, I bet you there's going to be one of those lists, like those uh, you know fun facts about season six lists that we had for season five, where they talk about all the little uh, homages to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> fun fact: This was a head nod to the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you soon, guys. Thanks for putting up with us. (laughs) Talk to you next time. Bye. crappy at writing this fanfic what do you know you're not if you were crappy at writing this fanfic then there wouldn't be people lining up the streets waiting for your next chapter no i'm crappy at the actual writing part like the actual it's a process (laughs) at least now you have more sympathy to george 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 our buddy george you know (laughs) from down the street